All right, welcome to the third episode of the Digital Doctor podcast. And uh, thank you everyone um, for those who listened to our last episode and left all those wonderful comments on um, our discussion board. And I'm here today again with uh, Ed and Stephen. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Hi. Excellent. Um, Well, today I get to talk about um, something that uh, bugs me quite a lot um, in hospital, which is the... Oh, sorry, wait, Kong, my bleep just went off. I've got to go. Fantastic. See, every time that happens, I think my life shortens a little bit. Yeah, no, it does. It does. It's, you know, just how annoying was that for the listener to have to... You're in the middle of saying something. You know, imagine how the patient feels. You're you're talking to the patient, your bleep goes off, and you've got to go and do something else. Yeah. Do you want to explain to some of our listeners who perhaps don't quite understand what uh, a pager and what it does um, and how we actually use it on a day-to-day? Well, it's not really a pager. I'll let, I'll let Ed take this one, but please, please, please distinguish between a bleep and a pager because they're not the same. No, they're definitely not the same. Okay. Enlighten me. Enlighten. Okay, so what is a bleep? A bleep is a electronic device um, that you, as a doctor, carry around with you. Uh, it is. It works um, only in a specific area. It's not linked to a telephone network or anything like that. I think it's actually magnetic, isn't it? Not sure. Don't know. I magnetic. Think it, I think it might be. But anyway, it's a magical, magical powers. It, it works by. But you you carry it around as a doctor, and the sort of workflow is this. Okay, say the doctor is not in the place that the doctor needs to be. They're eating cereal in the mess or you know they're doing cpr on someone who's very unwell and someone else in the hospital wants to get hold of that doctor so what they do is they go to um their phone point and they lift up the phone and they what they usually have to do is they dial a particular number to access the bleep system they then enter your bleep number which is usually a three or four digit number which is unique only to you and they then dial in their extension number. They then press a key, hang up, and your bleep starts making noises and vibrating and interrupting you. Mm. And then you look at your bleep as the doctor and you see the extension number that you were called from. You go to the nearest phone and you call that number. And hopefully the person who called you is standing right by the phone waiting to communicate with you and tell you the reason that they bleeped you in the first place. That doesn't seem too difficult. It seems horrendous. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just being sarcastic, clearly. The, um, and of course, at every single point, that something can go wrong. Like for My problem is sometimes I do not know the bleep number of the person I'm trying to reach. And that is, is one problem. Secondly, I then have to call the operator to get the number and I have to wait for that. And sometimes the operator doesn't know the number and give us like multiple bleep numbers to try. Then, of course, you have to find a telephone that no one's using. This could be next to you. It could be like 50 meters away. Oh, and on pain of death, will you use the telephone that the ward clerk is about to use? <laughs> That's true. Yes. People seem to be very possessive of their phones. And then you bleep someone and you put down the phone and you wait. And you really, really hope that the other person's bleep actually went off, but you have no idea that that's actually what happened. No. No, and then the pager goes off, hopefully, on the other end. And then 
the person might be might be doing something, might be in the toilet, might be telling some poor person that they have cancer, or you know, could be anything, or they could be answering a previous bleep, but you don't know. So then he finds a phone, calls you back, and re- and by then you hope that no one else has called that phone. Because if someone else has called that phone, the person can't reach you. And, and, then, and, then, and then you've got to wait around and keep calling it and hope that the person is still there. And as every minute goes past, the likelihood of that person still being around gets less and less and less. And of course, the worst thing here, end of the day, sometimes you just give up, don't you? And you just decide not to try because it's, it's impossible. There's a whole etiquette surrounding this, there, isn't there? Like, how long? When, once you bleep someone, how long do you wait for them to reply? You, I mean, everyone knows that. Okay, maybe they're busy. Maybe I'll I'll wait a couple of minutes by the phone, wasting your own time. So you're not only wasting, you know, the person's time who you bleep to. You might be trying desperately to try and find a phone because they're in the corridor or on the loo and they're desperately trying to put up their trousers and not make a mess. Or, um, <laughs> you know, how long are you going to wait there, wasting your own time for this person to phone back? And like as you said, if someone calls. Um, or you get called away, then you know the, the phone might be engaged when the person you're trying to get in contact with phones back, and then that person doesn't know whether the person just got bored or whether they've made another call or they've actually reached someone else who can deal with the problem. And there's no prioritized. There's no priority. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's no priority on these bleeps. You don't know how urgent that call was, and I guess you just kind of think, well, if I leave it, then if it's that important, they'll phone back. Not ideal, is it really? And just, no let, and just to let people uh, know that the only message you can get on most bleepers is just the phone number of the extension that you need to call back. You can't leave um, actual te- text messages or anything in most of the bleeps. No, and that's, that's the difference between a pager and a bleep. Okay, So yeah. a pager it, on the telephone network, it can receive and sometimes even send simple SMS type messages. Um, mm. And you'll often find that people who are working sometimes even like it's not so much now we have mobile telephones, but in the old days, people who were working off-site um, and therefore bleeps wouldn't work in the hospital grounds would carry a pager where they, they'd get a message saying, call you know, this number, uh, there is an ill patient or something, and then they would call back. I, I thought all hospitals had this. I, know, uh, I found out that uh, not all do when I went to hospital that didn't, obviously, but um, some pagers can... Uh, send a voice message over the the airwaves. So there are different class classifications of bleep for priority. So those would deal with uh, a cardiac arrest situation or that require the medical emergency team will get a different tone of bleep. It's much more aggressive. Like it, it will definitely make you sit up. You probably lose about five minutes from your life and maybe a little little bit of wee out depending on where you are, what you're doing. Um, but it will tell you to go to a specific place at a specific time. And that's just the operator just speaking down the phone saying, you are urgently needed here, 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 and this is where you need to go, and this is what it's for. Um, but that doesn't always work, does it? Sometimes you get the, just a crackling. Just and a crackle. Horrible, yeah. 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 And um, you've got no idea whether that was something serious or not, or whether you, you should start running somewhere, you've got nowhere to go. So there are different classes of bleeps, um, but generally I've only really experienced three. There's the normal bleep, it bleeps with a four-digit code, and that's the phone number, the extension you need to bring back. Or there's a what's called a fast bleep, where the bleeper goes and the operator will give you a message, and it's usually go urgently to a ward, and you basically just have to put everything down uh, straight away, run along to that ward. Or there's the cardiac arrest bleep, and only certain members 
uh, of the healthcare team are supposed to get this bleep, but actually what it, what tends to happen in practice is everybody in the hospital gets it. So no matter what they're doing, breaking bad news, giving a presentation to their colleagues, uh, they'll get this annoying um, message. And it's only annoying if you're not supposed to receive it. Yeah, should we actually now think a little bit about why do people have to bleep someone? You know, if you if you like, what is the job to be done of a bleeping system? Yeah, so bleeps um, are generally alerting uh, doctors or other members of the healthcare team about jobs or things to do. But as we've said before, there's no priority on that. So it could be something very simple like um, the date on this uh, prescription or entry in the notes isn't quite right, or it could be something very urgent, like this person is in edema and they are, need urgent medical attention. So, and unless you get a fast bleep, but some hospitals don't have the capacity to do. Uh, there's no distinction between those kinds of priorities. And I guess it's not only about tasks, isn't it? Often it's just about simple information giving. Like this be. person is now back from CT scan. Or, or it could be... Um, <laughs> And I guess for me, um, as a hematology registrar, the vast majority of bleeps that I get is um, people asking for advice uh, about their patients. And sometimes it's advice that needs me to make a decision within five minutes, and sometimes it's half a day, and sometimes it's within a week. But you know, like most bleeps, you don't know which one is, is what. And as a junior doctor, you have to take a proactive approach, don't you? So like when you're on call, uh, like uh, during the week uh, day, there's lots and lots of doctors around, um, but during the the nighttime or weekends when there's only a few doctors and you, you've got the responsibility for, for a bleep, mm. uh, you have to kind of take a pragmatic view. And what I always found really, really useful is to tell the staff uh, on the wards um, that you're going to go round. So you're going to go and visit each ward just to let them know, and that if there are any tasks that you you know that you want them to do, just write them down in a book. And you'll be along and you'll fix all of those. And that definitely significantly reduces your bleep numbers. Yeah. It be like that, should it? It shouldn't be like that. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, there's a geographical problem. Um, and especially as, you know, healthcare teams become so much more integrated together as part of a multidisciplinary approach to so many conditions. You know, and the fact that hospitals get larger and larger and larger and perform more functions. This problem of communication you know, get is is only going to get worse. And this system with bleeps may have been fit for purpose once, but is not. I don't think really fit for purpose now. Productivity-wise, as well, it's just it just doesn't work. I mean, we we, you know, you you, you need to have somewhere. Yes, you need to be available as a doctor to respond to emergencies, but also mm-hmm. you have to be able to do things. You know, being with a patient, you have to you know, and not being interrupted is quite an important thing. Um, I mean, from a personal experience, I've had situations where I have been so busy um, as a doctor, maybe on call, where I've been getting bleeps so frequently that I actually have spent my entire time just responding to the bleep and not actually getting any of the things done that the bleep was the bleeps were about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that happens. And when that happens, you actually feel really, really stressed and you feel bad and being unprofessional that you can't handle all these things. I. Some, I mean, some people actually say, well, all of us has been through this and it's something that you just need to learn to deal with. I just think that's the wrong attitude. To but it's take. not about us. It's not about us. It's about patient care. And, mm. and, and there I have absolutely no doubt that patients get worse care because of this problem. 
Yeah. It's like the bleep, as you say, is, is only one solution to multiple problems, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So... You actually sparked what? something off uh, there in my imagination, Ed, when you mentioned other members of the healthcare team. And uh, what I was thinking about is there's no record that someone's bleeped you. And have you ever been to a ward? And I'm not saying... <laughs> I've been to a ward sometimes where um, I've seen in the notes, doctor bleeped, time, doctor bleeped, time, not answered, doctor bleeped, time, not answered. And I have no idea whether that's true or not, because all I know is that I've been holding my bleep the whole time. I've been answering it as diligently as I can. And I've not received that bleep. And generally what you have to do is if someone bleeps you and you don't have time or you're already on the phone, you have to write the number down just to make sure that you go through and phone them back. Yeah. Um, but there's no record keeping. There's no audit trail of who's bleeped who and when that bleep was responded to or anything like that. Yeah. And also these bleeps don't, some of them have memory. So you can go back and see who's bleeped you. But every, every single bleep is different. And often, it, you know, it, it's quite difficult. There might be like one button and you need to navigate the entire bleep system on that bleep, uh, the, high, the, high, the complete menu system using one button. And no one ever tells you how to use the bleep. So, I mean, I, I usually when I used to get given a bleep, I would just have to, as you say, if, if there was any history, make sure I wrote it, write it down. Because uh, there's no standardization. There's about, mm. you know, there's at least five or six different types of bleep that I've come across. And all of them are, are basically different in the way that they, you actually interact with them. And so one guys, hospital we... may have many, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, shall we think about what... So, why, why do you think, then, if there's so many problems with this bleep system that is still so much used in so, most hospitals up and down the country? What is it about the bleep that makes it so, you know, venerable, if you like? Well, I kind of like the way that you don't have to respond immediately. Um, and I guess that's a double-edged sword. So if there's something really serious going on and you need to respond to it, that you won't know how serious it is, so you don't know how you need to respond. But say you are doing something quite delicate, quite important. Either you're on the phone with someone else or you're breaking bad news or you're doing a, a procedure, for example, at the bedside. Um, or, or even an, exa- an examination, which may be intimate or not, who knows. But... You, you don't have to respond to that bleep there and then. It will make a really annoying, interrupting sound, but you can answer it when it's convenient. And that's an advantage, I think. But I think that is something that comes very much with experience. I mean, certainly with, that's something I came to after I'd been doing medicine for, you know, a year, year and a half, that actually, you know, the, the hospital is a large place. I'm not the only doctor here. Sure. You know, if someone is really unwell um, or needs attention, they're probably going to be have enough common sense to call somebody else if I don't respond to my bleep. Yeah. Um, but and, it's not ideal for the person who bleeped you, though, because they don't know what's happening on the other end. No, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No. And they're wasting their time waiting for you. But do you know what? You, that's definitely true, Ed, because when... I mean, I, I did a locum at a hospital I'm actually quite familiar with recently, and this is when I realised that when I was actually working there day in, day out, and I knew the patients and I knew what was going on, I would know if I got a bleep from a certain number, not only would I recognize where, which phone that bleep was from, because I'd had that bleep so many times, I knew what the problem was. I was like, okay, Mrs. X needs to go home. That's why they're bleeping me. And I, I had an inkling about what that bleep may mean. Yeah. It could have been something completely different, but I thought I knew. So the bleep system needs a sixth sense for it to work properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like almost a sort of Jedi force-like well, uh, element. I think that's interesting because I think there are improvements that can be made using the technology that is inva- available at the moment, operational improvements. And I think one example of this is one that's implemented in a lot of hospitals, which is called the hospital at night, where often what happens is 
the 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 bleep there'll be one central call location which may be a bleep it may be a phone and there will be one manager night manager who might be a senior usually is a very senior nurse sister who will basically be receive all the bleeps at night and then will be responsible from from collating all that information and then actually managing the doctors and people who are working with him or her um and I don't know, I've had fairly good experiences of that. I found I've been very productive. Often I haven't carried a bleep. Maybe I've just carried a mobile phone or the, mm. or the nurse had my mobile phone number and she's carried a bleep uh, or, or in my case, it, when I worked, it was a she. So let's just get the sexism thing out of the way. I'm going to refer to her as she. <laughs> um, you know, she had, the, she had the bleep and she received all the calls from the nurses asking for things and she would do the, the, the screening. She would then allocate the jobs out and she would know she knew what had been allocated before and she keep track uh, she keep track of that and actually it was a very fair way of of doing things and i found actually i was very productive using that system so i don't think we should totally vilify the bleep it, the reason it survived for so long is it is an excellent way of, of remote well excellent it, it is a way that works for remote communication between between people yeah it's definitely got its merits I'll give it that. And I guess and, the other I thing think is, that... long battery life is, is one thing. Oh, yeah. Long battery life. And it's quite hard to actually destroy a bleep. I mean, it goes through quite a lot of punishment. I've I don't tried. Know what... I've tried. <laughs> I've thrown a bleep out of a window before. Believe me, I've tried. Seriously? Yeah. What, what happened there? Or do you want to share? Well, it was, I, was, I, was, I was on the ground floor, so I didn't have very far to go. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember the rage. Mm. And, and, and the bleep did fan, it only fell a few feet but it did it did well you know i mean but that kind of reaction that emotional reaction to to a bleep on a busy on call i think it happens to everyone at some point i mean some people deal with it in different ways some break down and cry some smash up the place mm. ed um, <laughs> and uh some really question their motives for going into their career and uh, and really have some tough times. It, it, it's really stressful, and it, and it, for for all of its merits, uh, it's not perfect. And um, I think any kind of uh, solution that will supplant it needs to to kind of recognise that this is it, it has some merits, and that we need to take those forward and and try and learn from what what a bleep has done for us, and the kind of little nuances that you have there with bleeps and things. Yeah. Okay, so, that. so I mean, we've, we've, you know, uh, we've got about 10 minutes less in, the, in this podcast. So let's, let's now move on to talk about, well, what are, how could it be made better? What, what technology do we, th- I mean, do we think we could use? Are there any people out there um, actually doing anything in this space that <laughs> I well, think, some hospitals uh, have a different system. Sorry, Wacom, but they Wacom, have like yeah. phones. They have like depth phones, don't they? Where you can, um, it's like a phone you carry around, and the phone is on a hospital network, and you can call someone up. But yeah. the thing that, that that I take issue with with that kind of system is that you're interrupted immediately, like immediately. the phone's going yeah. off. Yeah, and you you kind of have to answer it. And again, there's no ability to prioritize on no. that. So, I mean, I think that works. You can't use mobile phones in hospitals because. Uh, because they don't work um, in terms of the networks, so that's unreliable. Although, uh, to be honest, in, in, when I was when I was working, I mean, I was I was working in Central London. Um, I, I, well, I did most of my training in Central London. Um, I was fairly lucky with the networks, and if if you do have a mobile phone network that works, and this is this isn't works in the hospital, and this is very telling of the bleak problem and how doctors find this annoying. 
doctors will quite willingly use their own mobile phones and pay mm. and pay the bill to be able to communicate more easily with their colleagues. You know, and I think that's very telling. You know, yeah, the- and yeah. yes, I mean, I do that. I mean, the first day on the job within the team that I work, the first thing you do is you exchange mobile phone numbers. Yeah. And then you, you can send each other messages. And, you know, I, I, I like sending text messages. I think it works quite well for a lot of the things that we do to communicate. And um, you're, you're absolutely right. These are the solutions that we're trying to solve to replace and, the bleep. And let's not forget, you know, uh, and this comes back to a point we've made previously, you know, with, with, some, with most modern phones, you don't need a mobile phone connection to be able to send a message or even to call. Mm. You know, if if as long, if we, as long as you had access to a Wi-Fi network and were able to and access to the internet to be able to, to to send the messages, you could actually, you know, function very well using simple things such as iMessage and FaceTime. Almost, if that's presuming people had iPhones. I mean, there are there are solutions that cross all the different types of phones uh, universally. But you know, th- that's a very simple solution. And obviously, there are huge issues there in terms of data security and um you know and making sure that all doctors have a phone you know that that is able to do these things and getting software installed you know so but i think it's just useful to 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 say that there is a simple solution and in fact this is such a problem that doctors often do this themselves Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was a fifth year medical student when I found out that if you dialed the hospital number and you rung, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not very clever, but I thought the person told me it was an absolute genius. You could actually dial the hospital's phone number and use the extension number you just got bleeped on to phone that person back wherever you were. So if you were in the long corridor with no phone, uh, you wouldn't have to like run into someone's ward spreading infection around. You could just use your mobile phone. And that's great. And Stephen, that's very interesting that you raised that because at the Digital Doctor Conference on the 1st and 2nd uh, of December in Covent Garden in London, on the second day, I will be running a workshop, which is 90 minutes long, where I will build a app, an iPhone app, show people how it's done, that does that exact function. So it allows you to program in the hospital um, extension number and that the, the phone stores that number. And then in order to call a number you get bleeped on, say you're away from the phone, mm. you just pick up your phone, dial the thing you got bleeped on, press call, and you call them. So Voodoo. It's voodoo. It's voodoo. But I, I, So come along and you can actually see that built. And hopefully after the day, we'll actually then release it out um, for people as well to actually use. Because I think that would be really cool, wouldn't it? To be able to... You know, just use your phone. You literally got four presses on the phone yeah. to be able to connect you to the person who bleeped you. Four or five? You have to press send. If the press and call, right? Well, maybe we could get Siri integration. <laughs> or maybe you could just shake it. So you could do four presses and a shake. Four or just pre- shout, go. Go. Call him. <laughs> Answer my bleep, Siri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, that's so, a tangent. So Jeez. Go on. I asked a friend, and they said... What about if you had a bleep and a mobile phone or, or some ability to, to be able to call someone? So bleep and a phone together. I mean, it solves some of the problems, doesn't it? It solves the problem of phone availability. Mm. That's the main thing it solves, which I think is a big part of the problem, but that's, that's the problem. And I guess if you decrease the time for you to find the phone and to answer a bleep, then the chances of the other person being there is much higher as well. But I think it just solves that problem. Yeah. Doesn't solve the priority problem, doesn't solve the interruption problem. 
So I've I'll got do, a solution in mind, or the way I would like it to work. I know it does. Well, what about you, Wakon? What do you think? I th- I think that we need to question how we communicate in hospitals and why we do it, and whether. And at the moment, we use the bleep for absolutely everything. And perhaps we should think that, you know, we shouldn't just replace the bleep with one other thing. We should we should think what the bleep is there to do. And then for emergency communications like cardiac arrest and things, I think the bleep works really well and I, I think that you should stick to that. But for the, all the 90% of the other things that we do, I think maybe, you know, simple things like email, um, instant messaging, things like that can be used. So I guess I don't have one solution, but I think we need to rethink why we use the bleep. Um, your example earlier, Ed, about hospital at night and distribution of tasks, I think that model works really, really well for hospital at night when you have actually uh, one team covering a large amount of, of patients. But the reality of everyday hospital is multiple teams working in parallel, interacting with each other in a completely unplanned way. And that centralized command system just doesn't work. No, no, yep. I agree. What do you so think, I guess, Stephen? So I guess I don't, I don't have one solution, but it'll be, you know, but I guess we need to rethink the process of why we have a bleep in the first place. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, had, I had an idea, but then... I guess it's just changing all the time. But based on what you just said, Wei Kong, I think that's, I think that's completely right. Because there are loads of tasks that don't need to be. You don't know, need to notify a specific doctor. Mm. And I wonder if there maybe needs to be another sort of bank of jobs that need to be done, and a group of doctors who are working as a team need to know about them. But then you get into the problem about signing responsibility. So if you don't give one person the responsibility, then it never gets done. Um, but I always kind of saw it as uh, the best thing to do is, I think. There needs to be a device, and really here, I'm my my thoughts are molded by the fact that you have an iPhone and an app. So I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm always talking about an app that may exist, but uh, but it's just because I, I use an iPhone, and and I think that you have incoming requests that come in that get graded a priority. So a red request a request will um, alert you immediately much in the mm-hmm. same way like a cardiac arrest team will be like a fast bleep, whereas uh, an amber request is something that needs to be done urgently. It will automatically go to the top of your list, uh, maybe make a sound. I mean, I think the user can can probably uh, have some preference as to how that amber is, is alerted. Um, and then there are loads of jobs that just need to be done, and I think they should just go into an inbox, and the doctor should be able to assign them priority and the app should have kind of some uh, notion of location so that you can order things uh, by location to try and save the doctor time. Uh, Maybe there are tags that the doctor can then take in that inbox, reprioritize things, distribute work. If they're overwhelmed, they can even send those tasks to other doctors, um, those kinds of things. That's the way I'd always really saw it. And have you heard of Vespar? Yeah, situ- a situation um, background, background assessment. assessment. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. If you type SBAR into Google, now the first thing you get is the NHS site, which is like two above Google. So the first two sites you get are actually NHS sites. And the NHS stole this very unceremoniously from uh, maritime communications. And it's a way of communicating things to you. And I think that if you got a request for a job that had that kind of format, so the situation is... I'm a nurse on this ward and I have a patient with this condition, with a pneumonia, for example. Um, 
you know, or, or I'm a nurse on this ward and I would like help from a doctor. I've got a patient and then you go into the background. They've got a pneumonia. They've been in for three days. They're on this antibiotic. It doesn't appear to be working because, and then you say assessment, their blood pressure is this. I'm very concerned about them. And the response, the response is your priority. I would like to come and see them urgently or, or, or even, you know, if it's, if it's very urgent, she could be given a red priority. So I think that taking that kind of structure, applying it into a request system, that the doctor can then manipulate themselves and carry with them at all times and have the ability to communicate in a two-way fashion um, over that kind of network. That's kind of the way I've always encapsulated it, but I don't know if there is anything else that um, you think that's a red. Well, let's, let's mention some things that people have done, um, which our listeners may wish to explore. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention is something called, um, uh, you know, and I go to this because it's the most obvious name, really. It's called iBleep. <laughs> seems to follow the, the trend of taking the problem and adding a small eye before it, and, and instantly it's a technological solution. But um, it, it's an intelligent bleeping for medical uh, professionals. You can visit their website at www.ibleep.net. And um, this is a, basically a, a smartphone solution. Um, it's, there are lots of different versions. There's iBleep for nurses, there's iBleep for doctors, and... Essentially, this is uh, does similar to what we've just described. So it allows uh, in just a few seconds, if there's a call or, or a message received on the app, it allows you to see the reason for the call, the ward, the bed location, the patient details, vital observations, um, the, the score, uh, the early warning score, um, and also a, uh, a priority. Mm. Um, so I think the idea of this generally is that it, it, it uses a proprietary instant messaging service locally within the hospital using compatible devices to send out these messages. And, and, and it even has the ability to communicate back with the person um, who sent them um, and to uh, even there's a, you know, there are even buttons to actually call the ward if you want to discuss these things in more in more detail. So that's one to mention. The other one. Um, is produced by a company called Nerve Center Software. Um, and uh, they produced a solution which is fairly similar, um, but is particularly for the hospital at night. And um, therefore is particularly uh, more orientated towards the solution I described earlier, whereby uh, multiple jobs are collated by a single individual mm-hmm. uh, and, then, and then assigned to certain uh, other um, people doing them, junior doctors, for example. So a message might be sent to the coordinator who will then have a digital interface receiving all these messages next to an interface of all the jobs that uh, that the other doctors are currently doing and therefore more intelligently be able to say, well, that doctor is in this location. Uh, He's not doing anything at the moment. Therefore, I'm going to assign this job to him and then she'll assign it. He he or she, sorry, I do do it again, will assign it and the doctor will then be notified. That's amazing. Um, yeah, um, so I think, I think this was, the eye bleed actually started in the north is in, in James Cook Hospital because I, I trained around there and I've had friends who had experience using that particular system. And I'm talking about they started doing this 10 years ago using uh, Windows CE devices, if you yeah. guys remember them. Yeah. And they quite enjoyed it, and the number of bleeps are, are very, very low. I think one of the things that they, they complained about then, but of course the, you know, the software has improved a lot since, is that you still you get a, 
a, a list of jobs, but it's still very difficult to actually prioritize if it's like 10 or 20 because you as a doctor is no longer doing the prioritization and the prioritization is being done by someone else. And, um, and sometimes there can be some big cultural interprofessional issues there, which, uh, which is interesting to explore. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and looking, looking at the... Um... Uh, looking at the interface, it, it, it clearly is, you know, from 10 years ago. You know. I think I've got a Windows C device I use as a coaster. <laughs> I don't think I have. I, I skipped the whole Windows C. I was a Palm guy. <laughs> I still remember my Scion. Oh, goodness, I never owned them. I have a trio, which is right next to me, actually. At the I, I took notes at school on my Scion, believe it or not. Do you still in, have in class, I'd be sitting there on my, yeah. Very nice. I mean, actually, I was just looking on the Nerve Center website, I, like they've got some screenshots. Looks great, but they've got a little tick box S bar used. I think uh, you know. I mean, S bar definitely is is the way to go. Um, and and they've got another panel as well where you can list physiological data um, and inputting all of this manually. Um, I mean, the system sounds great, but you don't want to tie nurses or other clinical staff or even other doctors to, to sitting in front of a computer writing people messages. The one thing I will say about the bleep system is very quick. Once you do find a phone, it's very quick to, to alert the person if you know their bleep number already. If you have to go through switchboard to try and find it, it's a pain. But if, um, that's one thing uh, that I'd say in its favour. And I think that this, this brings us back to an issue which is pervasive in all our podcasts, which is the idea that all of these solutions when they're first implemented, they tend to require a lot of duplication of information. So mm. I, I, I bet when you, when you send a message using this system, it's not integrated into the hospital network and you'll probably have to type out all the patient information again. And that is very slow and very mind-numbing. Yeah, um, and, and you can imagine a system whereby you have their physiological data just all like on the system already. So the, the, you wouldn't even need to input that. No. And I think you bring up a very interesting point because I think the very companies that are delivering the solutions such as uh, bedside observation tool, um, having an ability to receive alerts for lab tests and things on a mobile device in the hospital using Wi-Fi networks. I think they are seriously exploring replacements um, for bleeps as well because it makes sense that all that comes together. Yeah. Ed, what about, do you know, like uh, on iOS devices where you get like a share and you... Uh, by email, you can share it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You know, almost that API could be used uh, in in an intelligent way in a hospital app. Yeah, absolutely. To share it with a doctor. Share, share this with the doctor. Share this on the hospital network. Um, yeah. You know that, that that we could there could be APIs built which could allow very easily um, the integration between multiple. Say you had one app that did observations and allowed you to um, look at observations. You could have a button that you pushed. And you could share it with another app and pass the information across that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and it could get really intelligent. You could have all sorts of kind of metrics. Like if you if you share it, you could share it with if the if the devices that the doctors were carrying around knew where in the hospital those doctors were, and maybe the the people who are responsible for the cardiac arrest team are in A and E, and A and E is a five minute runaway. Um, maybe if you put if someone's crashing um, and you, they've got your physiological data, they've got a blood pressure of, of you know, uh, 60 on 40, you could share it and you could share it and say, I want to alert the cardiac arrest team. The system could say, right, well, we know that the cardiac arrest team are not around here. They're going to take five minutes. So we'll alert the cardiac arrest team and we'll alert 
the nearest doctors in the adjacent ward who could be there within 30 seconds. Yeah. That's a great example of how it could improve patient safety. So, guys, we, we've, the, what, the solution that we're kind of thinking about involves internal hospital Wi-Fi and it also involves um, having a device. Now, we still haven't overcome the issues of Wi-Fi, battery life, durability of devices. Any thoughts? I find it very difficult to think of anything other than iPhone at the moment uh, or, or some kind of Android device. Um, and that's just my limited imagination. Um, but I just think that the programming and uh, application, or, you know, the SDKs are so rich that it's um, so easy for people, you know, people who have limited programming experience to go and create solutions for this. And they're tried, tested, there are APIs for all sorts of different things. I think it'd be silly not to look at that as a starting point. Uh, sorry, go on, Ed. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of those are issues that are very secondary to the, issue, the major issue, which is bleeps don't work. Um, you know, the, the Wi-Fi, well, doctors, in my opinion, should have access to Wi-Fi, should have access to the internet. I think that's silly. Um, I think number two, chargers, well, you know, it's, it's not that difficult to have battery packs, you know, to have, you know, charging points to, you know, the, that's not as big an issue as actually getting this thing working in the hospital. Um, but you're quite right to raise those things because often when you go to people with ideas such as this about problems that exist, those are the first things that will be brought up. Um, uh, those, those issues as, as, yeah. barri as barriers to implementation, when in fact it should be that actually this is a real problem. We need a solution and we're just going to have to solve those other minor problems. Mm. I, I've got an idea, um, just briefly before we wrap up, which is, I think something like the iPod Touch will be quite useful. So imagine a situation whereby there, are, uh, there is a place that we need to go to collect our iPod Touch when we come to work. And these have been fully charged. We put our, um, our login details into this iPod Touch and it brings back up all the applications in our particular profile for it. And then we have to return the iPod Touch at the end of the shift. Now, the iPod Touch works only through Wi-Fi. It's got no cellular network. So it's a lot lighter, but in battery life is measured in weeks. Mm. And you can and use voice over IP too. You can use voice over IP and, you, and it's much cheaper to replace compared to, to phones as well. And so you don't have the trouble with people not having smartphones. You, you can have a whole fleet of this. They're easily replaceable. Uh, can be, and it just needs to get into a new working habit where we deposit the phone, I'm sorry, the, uh, the iPod at the end of the day and we collect it when we come into work. And I actually think that might actually work quite well. It's like stamping in and out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but do you know, have you, I know you've never destroyed one, although you've tried, but do you know how much bleeps cost to replace? They're very expensive. They're like three, four hundred pounds, I hear. Crazy. Um, I've been threatened before, but I've, I've since found the bleep, so it's uh, not my trouble. And I'm I think it would be really great to have that because you could take ad advantages, things that you never really think of initially. You could take advantage of all the other things that the iPod has in, like the accelerometer, uh, the light sensor, the microphone. So your app could do all sorts of crazy stuff. So, mm -hmm. And especially if, if, if the app knew where, knew where you were in the hospital and it knew that perhaps you were at a bedside, so it wouldn't interrupt you with this minor task because it knows that you're at the bedside. It knows you're talking to someone because it can hear the microphone. It might know that you're in the corridor location and the, the accelerometer is going up and down. So you're probably walking and then, you know, probably wouldn't interrupt you then. 
but you can do all sorts of crazy Very funny good. things. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, don't forget things like guidelines and, and, and all those kind of things that can be on the same, very same device as well. Let's so do it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's easy. It's not a problem. We've solved it. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, so, guys, uh, I think that's been a very interesting conversation. It, it makes it feel a bit better that perhaps that it, you know, something can replace this, this bleep thing, even though, of course, I'm going to be a consultant in a few years' time and I wouldn't have to hold a bleep anymore. <laughs> well, you say that, but I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah what about all this consultant delivered versus consultant led yeah. care yeah, yeah you're, true. In tr- you're in trouble Wacom. you just don't realise it yet <laughs> perhaps you've done the right thing to leave early well you see of course I don't have this problem anymore I just want, I just want to build the solution but I, I remember it I remember throwing the bleep out of the window with pride <laughs> and of course your bat your bat um, you had a belt with six bleeps as well I remember that story yeah I do yeah. maybe I'll put a, a link to that image in the show notes yeah. fantastic so um, it's just four weeks to our digital doctor conference it is and I- we have plenty of tickets for both Saturday and Sunday just to remind us Saturday is all about digital productivity when Stephen will teach you how to use email properly and inbox zero. I will teach you about David Allen's getting things done and how that can impact medicine. Wacom will teach you about everything else. Um, (laughs) On Sunday, uh, we're doing um, programming uh, for doctors, the very basics, starting at the real beginning, but making it relevant uh, to uh, to what you already know. We're doing things like showing you how you can actually start making an app, um, I'll be building that extension caller app and stuff like that. So um, I hope you can come along. It's, you know, if you're, if you're a doctor, it's only 50 quid for two days, including all the refreshments. If you're a student, then I think it's only 35 for both days. So, um, you know, I really do hope that um, if you're a listener to this podcast, um, you'll come. And also you get the opportunity to meet us, of course, which, you know, yeah. is... And, and don't forget as well on Sunday, we're going to hopefully give you some insights on... Um how NHS IT work or doesn't work. And it's, it's called the anatomy and pathophysiology of NHS IT. Yeah, that's going to be, fun. I'm looking forward to that. Right. Uh, so um, we'll hopefully see you again in two weeks time. Um, tweet us some ideas. of uh, what Yeah, topic to be decided. No, 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 topic. I've got it. It's my turn. It's my turn. I have oh, okay. a topic. Of course, Stephen. Yes. Do it. I, I want to talk about, I don't know if this is cool or not. This is probably really boring and I'm probably the only one to find this interesting. But I want to talk about getting information in and out of clinical systems electronically. Interoperability, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I find that very interesting. So I'm, I'm with you on that one, Stephen. Yeah, yes. I might join that conversation. I might not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm Tumble, only joking. Tumbleweed and silence. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. Thanks for joining us again and we'll um, see you in two weeks' time. See you soon. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. Check for pulse.